Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week here at the RGM Experience Podcast with me, Carl Maloney. How are you doing? You're all right. Yeah, guys, thanks for joining again this week. It's an absolute pleasure. Back into the swing of things now. I'm a guest, a new guest every week. Did you enjoy last week's? Ben Robinson from Kendall Calling and Hello Cosmos and Blue Dot Director Festival Man. And the week before, you know, guests galore. Yeah, we're back and we've got a brand new conversation for you today, ladies and gentlemen, too. So kick back, grab a drink, grab a brew. It's with a guy and a publication that I've personally looked up to over the years. Somebody that, and a company that does things the right way. It has history, it has an ethos, it has a manifesto for fuck's sake, it has a, uh, you know, a legend of the music industry that's, that heads it all and started it all way back years and years ago. It's Louder Than War magazine, you know, a publication that I've looked up to as a, uh, as a started RGM, I've always kind of looked at them as like the pinnacle of where RGM could be one day and I've still got that, amb- that ambitions for it to you know catch up a little bit and any little gain that I can grab to grow RGM into whatever I can is you know always the plan and when I'm out at gigs and that you know I've met Rod- John Rob before I've interviewed him in the car driving around you can catch that interview on our YouTube channel but today it's the director Nigel Carr from Louder Than War magazine. Great guy. Since moving to Manchester, uh, he's always good for advice. Call him a mate. Hi, mate. Um, you know, we, we talk about how he got into the, you know, starting the magazine, helping him out when they were skin. He's a businessman himself, so he was kind of like keen to get involved. An absolute music nut. Go through all of that in the interview. I don't want to spoil anything here. Uh, but he's just started a radio station. We'll ask him what he likes about, you know, running a magazine. What, what's the best things, what the worst things. All the normal kind of chat that you'd expect. Plus some cheeky little questions. As you might expect to. So that's coming up soon. This week's been picked up a little bit as well. Busy times. We're back. The year is 2022 and it's... And it's busy again, yay! Loads of releases. Deja Vega's new album. What else we got? I'm just looking on the site now, just having a browse through it all. Sherlock's new album. I put a post up on our Twitter page earlier on, just around that. Uh, the, the Sherlock's review that we put on was quite scathing of the band. And, uh, had a lot of critical uh, critique in, in there and... A lot of people told me it's, you know, it's amazing to see the honesty out there in the world. A few people have told me it's too harsh. But what I wanted to share with you, and I, and I mentioned this in the video, is that, uh, you know, 
we put a link to Amazon to download the album on these posts. On, on 95% of the posts that you'll see on RGM, it's all on there. And we see the data that comes back from the reviews. And I can see that, well, 102, it was just over 100 people had downloaded their album. So it, it just shows you, doesn't it? People make up their own mind about music reviews. And a band can, you know, shy away from and pretend that these things don't happen when you don't get the best review. But your fans will still read it. Your fans will still stick up for you. Your fans will still buy the music from you. And the band is aiming for a top 10 position in the charts. So I just hope those extra 100 sales help them out a little bit and they get that. I'd love to see it happen. Genuinely, would love to see it happen. Um, we have been quite critical of the band, you know, publicly over the years, but, you know, take a look on RGM, look at the review, you tell us your views. Yeah, we just brought out a new recommends post. Deja Vega. Purple Thread from Leeds, great band. We've been interviewing loads of guests as well for future episodes of the podcast. We've been right busy. And it's a it's always a pleasure to have you down here at RGMHQ. Yeah, we've also continuing the relationship with Ditto. So if you'd like a 30-day free trial, you can have a look at that on the uh, on the description of this podcast on YouTube or uh, wherever you are in the world. You'll see a link, and you can publish your music through Ditto. And it help, they help you in many ways. You get a 30-day free trial through the link. You can reach more fans to a global audience. You basically keep 100% of the royalties that you earn and all the rights to your music. And I think the full cost is like 20 quid a year or something anyway. So, you know, you can, and you can put as many releases as you want out for that. So it's not a lot of money. Uh, but you do get a 30-day 30, 30 free trial to try it out. So why not, Banzer? Eh? So click on the link in this description and you'll get that discount. Come and join us on TikTok. Starting to pick up. Nearly 600 followers now. We're getting closer to the 1,000. And then we can start doing them live things. That could be a great car crash. Stay, stay, stay in touch for that. Have a look on Twitter, at RGMPod. That's where you'll hear all the news first. Thanks, guys. We love it. So much to do. Keeps me out of trouble, I suppose. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this is my interview and chat with Louder Than War director, manager, music nut, Nigel Carr. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the RGM podcast. Delving into the grassroots, beautiful music scene where we like to delve and find characters and investigate what's going on in this music industry. And today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is Nigel Carr from Louder Than War magazine. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm doing really well, thanks. Great to, great to speak to you, Carl. Yeah, cheers, mate. We have, you know, since moving to Manchester, um, I've 
enjoyed your company i've seen you out at loads of gigs you're a music fan yeah. just like me and it's it's just great to meet new people in this music industry and go out shoot the shit have a drink with you and thanks for joining the us on the podcast yes psych fest very busy there was gigs aren't Far too busy and i queued up 45 minutes <laughs> to get to see yard act the new mm. darling yes um and couldn't get into the gig so um yeah. i queued up had a nice chat with this guy um, yeah. And then I wasn't allowed in the gig. And apparently for Psych Fest, all sort of journalists and photographers, they weren't given any entry passes to get no. into anyone. So we just had to queue up with punters, which was interesting. Yeah. But uh, it just meant that few things got uh, covered, which was a yeah. bit unfortunate. Well, let's anyway, go back a little back. bit. So just talk me through, how yeah. did you first get into, before the magazine and all that kind of stuff, and oh, yeah. how, how did you get into music yourself? Young Nigel, oh, out there in the on. world, starting it all off. Uh, how did you get into music. it? Yeah. Massive music fan. So even at school, I went to Alter Grammar School, which is mm. where Ian Brown went, um, and one or two others, Cy Wollstonecroft. And uh, at school, the, the cool kids had a band, and mm. I had a band. And it was variously known as State Express, yes. because my mate was a bit more sort of, uh, how should I put it, sort of um, more into sort of 70s rock than I was, yeah. or Stephen Singer and the Sewing Machines, which was my okay. which was my idea. We sort of <laughs> went between that and that vinyl and the paint strippers because it was, you know, it was kind of late 70s. So we were kind of, I was sort of massively into punk and uh, ended up sort of playing songs like Bad Motor Scooter by, um, was it Montrose? I can't remember. Um, and sort of all right now and all the sort of crappy yeah. stuff from the sort of mid to late 70s. So we never really fully formed into a real punk band. But I was a massive, massive collector of records. And mm. um, I spent my whole time at Streetside Records in, in Altrincham and various other places just buying everything, everything punk from like 1977 to 1979. I think I bought about 350 or 400 singles. It was mental. Wow. Um, I was in at this fortunate position of working in my dad's greengrocers. Oh, okay. And uh, I got five pounds a week pocket money. And um, uh, sorry, five pounds a week for working on in the shop on a Saturday and £2.50 pocket money. Yeah. That's £7.50 to spend on records every week. <laughs> wow. Pretty much nothing else, <laughs> which oh. went a long way back. And have you still then. got so them? I've got every single one. Yeah. In fact, they're in a box here behind me. Oh, wow. uh, and I'll show you before I finish my copy of An Ideal for Living by Joy Division. But uh, yes, oh, okay. I just happened to be in this box here because I had a, an interview in here with Tony Davidson going through everything. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got everything I've ever bought. Um, which is quite nice, really. So, um, so yeah, always been a massive, massive music mm. fan, used to go to gigs, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it just kind of just took over my life, really. And that, that, that's it. Uh, you either, you're either into music or you're not. Mm. Some of my friends weren't, or they were into soul music or heavy metal and stuff like that. But I was just into, well, punk, really. I mean, that was like, you know, early 70s, it was glam. And then it was like sort of pub rock and a bit of a no man's land. And then it was punk. And then, you know, yeah, that, that, that's how I was just, just always been a massive music fan. How, how did you choose the genre of punk or how did punk find you? It took me over. <clears throat> I was just sitting, minding my own business, watching So It Goes one night. And I used to watch it with Tony Wilson sort of religiously because, you know, it was just a cool program to mm. watch and, I think Clive James was on there and Peter Cook and Peter Cook was my hero, mm. you know, and uh, it was just a really cool show to watch. And it was, it was August the 26th, 1976. And this shambling band sort of staggered onto the stage and there was a girl dancing around with a beehive and a swastika on her arm. <laughs> and it was the Sex Pistols first time ever on television. Mm. And I went to school the next, I was ble completely blown away by it. And 
and I, I didn't know much about punk. I mean, I was, I was buying the Melody Maker Sound and NME, but it wasn't the time that it, it, they took over the front mm. pages. It was really, it was a nascent, really, really early time, you know. And I went to school the next day and some guy asked me because we were listening to Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and we even went to see Kiss once. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and, and somebody said, what do you think about this punk thing? And I said, I think it's amazing. And I just, that was it then. I was completely sort of sucked in and you'd still listen to it. You know, you went, if you went to a punk gig, half the kids were wearing flares anyway, because there wasn't enough punk music around. Uh, okay. A lot of people didn't want to dress like it. So it was a really funny time that early sort of October to December, 1976, and people started getting into punk and it was dead, dead weird. Were your parents so, worried about you getting into punk? Yeah, they were really worried about me when I wrote down the lyrics to Kill by Alberto Illustrious Paranoia. Because <laughs> it says, I want to kill my mum and dad. And she found the lyrics. She said, Nigel, I'm really worried about me. Yeah. <laughs> it was dead funny. But of course, they were just like a parody band, but we saw them a few times. Yeah. Alberto's, Alberto Illustrious and the Smirks and bands like that, the Freshies. I'm mm. sort of mates with Baz from the Freshies now and Rick Sarko. Yeah, it's funny how things turn out. Yeah. So, um, no, that, how, so, you know, you've had this long history of music. How did yeah. you get involved with, you know, the, one of the leading punk magazines, Louder Than War? How, how, how did that yeah. relationship start? Well, it kind of came to my, I, I was, I had flu once and um, I was running a shoe business and I was lying in bed, couldn't do any work, had a few mm. phone calls. And uh, I was kind of just making a few comments. It must've been on Facebook was on Facebook. So it was in, in the last sort of 10 or 12 years or so. And it, I was sort of commenting on um, Genesis P. Orridge and I'd sort of requoted one of his quotes and mm. it was very eloquent, well, <laughs> verbose or whatever, you know, very nicely written, yes. almost poetic. And I sort of copied it and pasted it. And somebody said, I think it was Guy Manchester, would you like to write for Louder Than War? And I said, no, I didn't write that. I just quoted it. And mm. it, I kind of left it at that. And then I checked out Louder Than War. And I was obviously aware of John Robb. Yeah. And I'd seen John at a few gigs, as you do, because he's always standing yep. at the back. You know, he's tough, so yep. he's taller than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I'd, I'd been to see Esper Scout and I'd been to see Placebo. And I started sort of writing a little bit. I had my own website, Nigel Carr.co, which is actually still there. Mm. And... Um, I started I just just for my own interests, just to sort of get it off my chest. I, I wrote a review of Syro, the Aphex Twin album, and I just wrote it in quite quite detailed about each track, you know, because I love I love Aphex yeah. Twin. And then I wrote, and then um, a mate of mine, Dave Gleave, who's a quite a celebrated yeah, yeah. Manchester photographer now, is one of my, one of my best mates. He said, "Oh, uh, do you want to write about this gig?" And I said, "Well, why?" He says, well, uh, Guy Manchester's been in touch. And he said, would I, would I photograph it? And, and, I, and I said to him, I've got a writer. I said, who's that then? He said, you. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned out that we went to see Esper Scout. Um, they brought out a single belay, I think. Um, and um, and uh, I went to see them and then I wrote the gig up and then it was posted on Louder Than War. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. You know, look at this, grabbing my <laughs> wife, you know, come and have a look at this, Lorraine. I'm on, I look at this, I'm in this, you know. Um, and it just started this relationship between me and Guy Manchester. I didn't know John Robb. He was this sort of hallowed yeah. head you never got to speak to, you know. Mm. And um, it sort of developed from there, really. We went to see gig after gig. At the same time, I was writing for Penny Black, so I did 
Wednesday 13 interview. I did uh, uh, Glenn Gregory from Heaven 17. I interviewed him as well um, and got those published and um, did one or two sort of reviews like Screaming Females, you know. And uh, the guy there, John at at, uh, Penny Black, was great because he just directed me slightly on the writing, whether it was in the past or the present, and Mm. corrected one or two anomalies in the writing. And then, and after that, it just snowballed. And um, I just got busier and busier and started doing more and more writing. So that's how it started. Yeah. Yeah. How did your relationship with John start then? If it it was a distance one and it was just, you know, the the journalist, the the famous guy. It's funny, really, because, well, I've been in business all my life. And I I guess I was frustrated that that, um, evidently Louder Than War was running on a shoestring and was Mm. set to fold at any time because it never had any money. Yeah. The website was incredibly slow. The back end would take forever to load. You couldn't load images quickly or anything like that. Yeah. And the whole thing was sort of teetering on the edge. And at that time, there was a girl called Sarah Lay, who was the editor, um, who I didn't see eye to eye with for whatever reason. Yeah. And um, eventually she left and she went off to uh, work for the magazine because the magazine, there was a disconnect between Louder Than War and the magazine. And <clears throat> the magazine was run by Vive La Rock. And Louder Than War, of course, was written, was owned and operated by John. And I said, well, John, I just, I kept trying to help Sarah mm. and I'd copy John in and say, look, I can help you with your SEO. I can help you with the business side. I can help you maybe sort of earn some money to sustain the, mm. the running costs of, of Louder Than War because I know it's tricky. So I ended up kind of sort of getting more involved in the business side of it. And then we sort of developed a model where we could earn money through AdSense mm. and then came Taboola, then came a deal with Sister Ray Records. And, and so we started to earn a sort of the minimum amount of money that it would cost to actually stop it from going under. Mm. Um, and then I orchestrated the move um, onto um, UK Fast in Manchester. And I developed the new website with um, because we'd run a, um, a website development and digital mm. marketing agency. So I got my guys to build the brand new Louder Than More website. And uh, John was cool with it. It was funded, which was absolutely okay. We kind of emptied the bank account to get it going. Um, and quite honestly, we haven't looked back since then. So yeah. it's now financially stable. It's quick. It looks great. It loads quickly and it's easy mm. to read. And that's all we wanted, really. Yeah. So I, so, so it, we, I kind of developed the business side of it. And then John and I form, formalized the arrangement through a company. <clears throat> and so now the whole louder than war shebang is owned between me and John. John has the larger share. Um, and that, that's how we run it. And um, this year, well, last year, 2021, we developed a subscription model, which has been mm. very successful. And so that's poured more money into the cough, poured more money, put a yes. little bit more money yes. into the coffers. Um, uh, some of which we pay out now to some of the senior staff. So yeah. um, you know, without wanting to talk out of school, there's just a little bit more money in the pot mm. um, to, to 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 share a little bit. You know, we, we pay out money for feature reviews and stuff like that. I also developed a clothing collection. So, um, mm. yeah, that was one of the ways we, that we thought we could make some money. And that will be extended throughout 2022. Well, so I, that gives you a nutshell. Well, I, I know full well just how, how much these things cost to run a magazine. <laughs> I, I, I fell into running a magazine it, it wasn't something that i set out to do 
I started yeah. putting gigs on in Sheffield. I started interviewing the bands from the gigs, needed a website to put it on, called it carlmaloney.com. I got rid of mine, though, with my name on it, my website. Well, I've got mine. <laughs> I know, yeah. You said, you said, yeah. <laughs> There's loads of rubbish on it, right? That's 2000. So I got, really? rid of, I got rid of that, rebranded. I needed a name for it. First thing that came into me, I had great good music, so I'm from Yorkshire. RGM became, we just started doing the odd review, and it, it, it organically turned into a thing. And then when you've got a thing, you want to improve it all the time. And I, I found a drive that I didn't, didn't know was in me to, to make this thing as big as possible. Um, yeah. And from that day, I've not looked back and I love every minute of it. It takes up so much time. It's expensive oh, it to run. Um, the music industry, bands can all be a pain in the arse, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, absolutely right. And we're the same, you know, we, we do respond to PR pieces, but we generate a lot of our own content, yeah. you know, guys. And I think the beauty now of Louder Than War is that we've got sort of John and me and then editors and then sub-editors and then writers and photographers and, you know, everybody yeah. that is contributing. We're in this nice, stable hierarchy now. And, you know, our reach extends from Audrey Golden over in Boston, mm. Eileen Shapiro in, in sort of New York, right over to um, guys down in the Netherlands. Yeah. We've got Russian people writing for us. And, you know, the whole Louder Than War, I hate to call it the yeah. family, but it's quite extended now. And also, you know, we go from, you know, young girls up to sort of me and John and everybody in between. There's a, yeah. there's a, there's a good, good spread of people from different backgrounds writing for Louder Than War and contributing, you know. I, I love that aspect of it. And the fact that I've still got the, that bug, that drug, yeah. that I want to go and see a band and I want to write about it. And I'm in the gig. You've seen yeah, me yeah, yeah. Writing, writing reviews in the gig yeah, and then yeah. email. So when I get home, I top and tail it and it can almost do it straight away. I just have to wait for people's photographs to come in. If people don't realise that either, it, you know, to, to catch the wave of people that are interested in what you're writing about, you've got to do it in a timely manner. So you can't fuck about it. You've got to, you've got to be Absolutely. quick. You've got to get stuff out. If, if you reviewed a, yeah. a live gig and you're putting it out in three or four days, you kind of missed the boat. It, it's, it's a little oh. bit pointless doing that. Well, you know as well how mm. difficult it is to write something that you didn't necessarily enjoy. Yeah. So, I, for example, I went to see Document at night and day mm. uh, a few months ago. And it was, it just, it absolutely just wrecked me. It was fantastic, you know, mm. and I'm sitting there writing things and trying to come up with phrases and shit. And, and, you know, it was the most exciting thing ever. And I think it was Andy Carson who provided some, fo- uh, some photographs of the game. Yeah. And I was kind of chasing him down for the photographs, you know, because I was ready to put it out. Yeah, just get me away. one for the, for the profile Give picture. Then, then I'll the add them part, later. Yeah, yeah. I could have put an iPhone thing up, <laughs> but you know, yeah. we like to be perfectionists. Yeah. We like to right. Um, and that is really exciting. But the worst thing is, is that when you're asked to do something where the passion isn't there, or you go and see a gig and it's shit and you just don't want to write anything, yeah. but you're kind of bound to. And so you skirt around it and you make it a bit sort of meh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and that's, that's where it gets a little bit tricky where you've agreed to do something. You really don't want to do it. You know, I'm not great with book reviews. Books are too long. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> you can, know? you can get, you can get put in. I, I, I I'm using myself as an example. Sometimes yeah. when I, because I put quite a lot of live gigs on. Yes. And so, uh, bit, we have a kind of a pace structure that I'll come to in a bit uh, around RGM yeah. just to keep us alive. Um, but one of the benefits of playing an RGM live gig is that you get the free package, the, the, the paid for packages, we give the bands for free. So we can yeah. give them press and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes when we have a band on, they've just brought out a single a few days ago and one of our writers didn't particularly like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's the worst thing isn't it <laughs> i'm getting I, but 
but you, you can't change, you can't ask them to edit it because then you're censoring yourself and then you lose all your, your own credibility. You've got the same thing with Jed Baby at the moment mm. with Yard Act. Yeah. He wrote a particularly scathing review. He didn't really dislike the record. Yeah. He just thought it came over as sort of cynical and, you know, mm. it's not like it's their first band. You know, they're in the late 20s as if mm. they're sort of past it. And so we've got this situation at the moment where Jed wrote the review about Yard Act and it's a, it's, it was album of the month. But bizarrely, he didn't sort of credit it as being mm. particularly great. And then we had John at the Yard Act gig last night yeah. <laughs> you know, writing about the band. So there is an incongruity between writers, you know, whether they like it or don't like it. I think that keeps it sort of fresh. But, you know, maybe if it's album of the month, we should sort of write about it positively or get yeah. something that like well, that's it, it, the it's it's awkward sometimes, but you've just got to try and explain to the band how it is because they they don't see it that way. The young sometimes, kids, they're just they're precious they about it. On board, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And it's 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 awkward sometimes because you're stuck in the middle. Your relationship on the night of the gig can sometimes be a little bit <laughs> frosty yeah. because they don't fully trust you or they, they think you've got some kind of agenda when. You know, it, it, I haven't wrote those words. It, I have to explain it's somebody else that's written it. You know, I, I run the magazine. I tell, I take the writers on and, you know, publish things and I'm responsible for that. But it's a difficult thing. You can end up being a bunch of sycophants and just write about everything being great. Or you can tell it like it is. I tend to tell it like it is. Yeah. Give constructive criticism. And quite frankly, Carl, if I don't like it now, I won't write it. Yeah. Because there's just no point dissing somebody. There's mm. no point. It doesn't help them. And mm. they hate you. So what's the point? And PR yeah. hate you. So don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I, I feel I've got to adjust. Uh, uh, I feel like you need some kind of identity with a, with a magazine. And when I look at Louder Than War, you've got your own manifesto. You've got, you know, you can have a good read of that. You know, that, that tells you everything that you need to know about the ethos behind Louder Than War. Yeah. And I think I've been pretty consistent with the ethos behind RGM for the year. And that is, to be honest, and to, and to not shy away from offering critique or um help it i i see it as offering a band a service when we when we don't blow smoke up their arse um and i think that that's our 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 own identity and it's easy to set up a website and tell bands how great they are but there's thousands of people doing that no there is but the real hard work and the real um reward is when a band listens to you takes it on board and comes back with another review a month after and it's fucking amazing yeah, and, and the ticking right. on your board, it's, it's more rewarding and, and, and it's not the easy way of doing it at all, but it's more rewarding doing it that way. And I, I no, think that's what right. where we are. I don't mind, you know, I think what comes across with Louder Than War is the honesty mm. because John is a genuinely nice guy mm. and there's no, there's no edge to him. You can't pull him down in any way because he just wants the best for everybody. Yeah. He just wants to everybody to sort of express themselves. He wants people to grow. You know, we've had people go from Louder Than War to The Guardian and various mm. other places. They, they, they've used Louder Than War as a stomping ground. And John is the, the absolutely pure altruist, you know. He yeah. just wants people to be successful in their own right and he will support them in any way that he can. But equally, mm. you know, if somebody wants to write opinion pieces about stuff and pull them apart, that's equally valid as well, you know. Mm. We're not all about being nicey-nicey all the time. And I applaud opinion pieces as long as they're seen as opinion pieces yeah. and not the view of Louder Than War because we, they're all individual writers with their own personality yeah. and they're entitled to say what they want. And I've dissed things in a review 
whilst the whole review might be positive, I might have said, well, they lost their way in the middle of the gig yeah. and everything went out of time or something like that. And the band might have said, great, thanks for telling us that. We needed to know. Yeah. You know we all went discordant on the basement halfway through and missed the timing or something like that. It's not something that I would religiously pick up on because I'm not so pernickety. Yeah. But if it happens and it affects the enjoyment of the gig, then why not say it? Yeah. And, 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 you know, very often, like you say, the band will respond to that in a, in a sort of positive way, you know? Yeah, or um, pretend it never happened. <laughs> absolutely. Just ignore it, which is fine. Which is fine. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so, yeah, I think there's a there's a freshness to everything that goes on. We're always sort of after, you know, fresh writers and, and, and reviewers and uh, you know, people to have got the time to read a book. You know, our book yeah. review section is doing amazingly mm. well. Frankly, I ain't got the time to sit and trawl through a book. Yeah. It's too much. It's in, it used to take seven hours to do my own radio show. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's a full day. It's you know, full day's work. For no it's money. a full day's work to pull all the information <laughs> together. And I've got one at nine o'clock tonight. Oh, okay. Thankfully, I've got all the tracks together. Yeah. And I've got Chris Hewitt, who owns um, that sort of equipment company where he, he bought all of the Pink oh. Floyd, Abbey Road, all that equipment. He's coming in tonight to oh. do an interview. Ah, oh, brilliant. So, so that's cool. That's well, cool, I, right? I, did, I did want to touch on... I, me personally, I, I've come under some stick for charging bands for certain packages. Yeah. Um, and when when I try and engage with people over Twitter, it always, it never ends well. <laughs> 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 but I think I, I did RGM for six, probably six years without charging for anything, doing everything all the hours under the sun, just keeping it going, creating this thing, making it a thing that people uh, know about is just, you know, a major achievement, just, you know, with all the all the websites that are out there. And and the the people that criticise me charging don't understand that there's a server charge to pay every month. I'm in a privileged position where I've built up RGM to be able to pay the majority of the writers. We do have a voluntary team as well, and I do pay the writers. So how else am I going to fund it? You get a few quid every month from AdSense just for the adverts. It's not enough to cover even the server fee. Um, and you've got all these other things like time. And um, so you, I buy a lot of gig tickets to go to go to gigs sometimes if you can't get a guest pass or whatever like that. Yeah, and, 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 and the majority of the people that challenged me on why I'm a charging and it's outrageous that you know why are RGM charging and all this kind of stuff and, and some of the negative stuff that has gone on Twitter is mm. is there for obvious reasons and the people that are doing it for free are probably on this on the beginning of the journey in in PR and the magazines and that kind of stuff and if it's going to continue it needs to pay for itself yeah unless you're in a privileged position where you can just afford to chuck money at stuff which who is? You need you need a bit of sustainable business model, and unfortunately, yeah. in the early days of um, Louder Than War, of course, John was funding it himself, mm. which is onerous. You know, you have to find the money mm. every month, and it's not cheap. You know, the servers at Louder Than War are two two hundred and fifty pounds a month. Yeah. There are twenty eight thousand articles that have to be hosted. It's not for free, yeah. and it took ages to find the right server company to handle the size of the database because it's enormous. And so we all have our, you know, things to pay for. It's not just the server. There's other things to pay for as well. There's a continual maintenance of the website's development. You know about plugins and updating stuff. 
Some of them are paid plugins. You know, they all come with a cost. You have to find social media things to put out your posts and, and all those things Absolutely. cost a tenner a Absolutely. month. And there's probably yeah. about five yeah. or six of those tools that you need to, to, to do it so well. All of those yeah. tools, they weigh down and they inhibit, you know, the growth mm. of your company, your, you know, your presence on the web, whatever. You have to find a sustainable business model. It, we've done it in a slightly different way, but it is still a way where we are taking money from those people to fund these people mm. and you're doing the same thing yeah. in a slightly different way and i applaud both ways you know at the end of the day it's whatever suits you and mm. you know i remember coming to your house when you sold me that zoom thing yeah. and you showed me the business model that you had and we considered going down that route but we didn't in the end in yeah. the end because we kind of had enough and we had this vision of other ways of making money. Well, mm. we're not here to make money. I think, yeah. and I think yes. the really important thing, and I'm sure you're the same louder than war is not, has not been built to become a, this huge capitalist organization. Yes. It just wants to cover its costs. I'll show you the tax return. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we spent, we spent eight, nine years not making any money. Yeah. We're not here to rip yeah. people off or anything like that. It's just about creating a sustainable business model. Mm. And as I said to you, you know, the money that we're getting, we, we have recently, and it's only in the past few months, um, initiated um, certain payments to certain people, mm. uh, which we hope to extend and roll out further. But we can't do that until we get more money. Yeah. Um, just, it was about having a sustainable business model about, you know, whether mm. that be through subscribers or, you know, the certain business yeah. things that we do. You know, we sell tickets and stuff like that as well and get a tiny little percentage. Um, so, you know, it's about having a sustainable business model. And I think, you know, whether you we do it our way or your way, you're still mm. moving money from one place to another. Yeah. And if people aren't happy with that, then it's all very transparent as far as I'm concerned. And RGM has a transparent business model. People yeah. go into it with their eyes open. And if they don't like it, there are other places to go. So, yeah. you know, it's their decision. So dissing you on Twitter, childish, do something else. I ended up biting though. I don't do it anymore. Oh. I've got better at that. <laughs> Just you, Well, you know me on Twitter. I'm a nightmare. <laughs> Facebook look worse, but I've stopped doing that now because I'm, after the third ban, <coughs> I decided right. that it wasn't. Okay. And well, I've never got ban, banned. I, I, maybe I'm not oh, no, doing no, it well no. enough. I put a picture of a German soldier holding a mobile phone and I got banned from advertising for a month. Oh, and, um, okay. I, uh, I commented on a picture of John Lennon and Cynthia Lennon holding a garden implement and yeah. I put just, oh, weeks ban. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> to say ho fantastic yeah. and then the last one Wayne yeah. Carey was wearing a oh, yeah. coat and uh, somebody put Bet Lynch and I said yeah he needs to <laughs> like that. And, I, and I got banned again I can't believe it so I've stopped I've just stopped all that now it's not worth it and I used to have some ferocious battles with yeah people. I, I kind of like it, it took it too far you know I, I've had guests on the podcast historically and we've got on well yeah. and then fell out and that kind of stuff and we, uh, w- one of the toughest thing about RGM and there's a lot of people in the blog world that do it for in my opinion the wrong reasons they're doing it for a free gig pass yeah and those people become um obvious after a while and i I can spot them straight away now just because i've been in the industry so long and right at the beginning when rgm started we got slagged off to a lot quite influential people in the in the industry uh by this one person and i've always i'm still fighting that a little bit but one by one they all come around when they have a proper chat with me when when they know what the real story is um and you open up and you have conversations with people 
and professional relationships and uh, queries and ask other people in different parts of the industry to try and build relationships and that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's quite it, it's quite catty in some ways the industry, which yeah. which is what it is. You know, it's the, it's the music industry. Uh, how how yeah. do you do you find that at all? Or do, do you have any opinions on that side of it, or do you just stay out of it? I can I stay out of that. I did have one raging row with the singer of a band who I won't name. Um, and she was, she was very, very sort of, she never let go. Um, mm. I wouldn't call it cattiness. I think that was over a particular matter um, about yeah. to do with politics. And I've learned to stay away from politics. I hate people yeah. sharing fake news. Doesn't matter whether it's labor or conservative, but I'm fearless, fiercely defensive mm. um, of, of, you know, my view that if something is going to be shared on Facebook, then it, at least it needs to be real. <laughs> that's the first thing that's the first tenet and the second thing is that you know if i disagree with somebody then i'm perfectly with my right to pull them up um over something so it's 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 ensued in some sort of really sort of evil and pernicious arguments that i I now try and keep away from um as for cattiness i don't really see it i don't really see it Mm. um you know we I know you, you're open, you're honest, and what you see is what you get. Yeah. I've met you personally a number of times. And, you know, you're a nice guy. And and I think that most of the people at Louder Than War are kind of like that as well. I'm very honest. You mm. know, I tend not to diss people, you know, certainly not be objective in any way. And I don't, I haven't really been the subject of any cattiness or falling out or anything like that, to be honest with you. In fact, I can't think of a, um, a situation yeah. where I've put myself in or been involved in where, you know, there has been sort of sniping or anything like that. So well, no, I, I, I think it might be a, because I've got a bit of a gob in that and I am open and honest about things and I explain yeah. about yeah. things about why I do things. I, I, we did start calling out certain people within the industry um, when we felt like they weren't being genuine about things like... Oh, I know viewing, what you're talking about. Like yes. viewing figures, that kind of stuff, me. which uh, but yeah. it is what it is. People will exaggerate stuff. Um, yeah. It is what it is. But when you get called up on it, don't block them. Have a conversation about it. Yeah, uh, I was told by a particular person who I won't mention that I was yeah. racist and I didn't want foreign people in the UK, which was utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I was very open that I, and I'll say it to you now, I was yeah. very open that I voted for Brexit. But mm. I voted for Brexit for my reasons, and those reasons were in, involved, mm. you know, import taxes and duties because I worked in importing shoes and stuff like that. And I saw the shitty end of Brexit, which yeah. was, you know, people having to pay, you know, six, eight, ten, twelve percent extra for their shoes out of China, Vietnam, and Cambodia that we were bringing in and having to pay duty. Not only that, we we're having to pay VAT at the port of entry. You know, mm. all those sorts of things. The fact that if I went to Taiwan, it would cost me sixty quid for a bottle of French wine the sort of reciprocal tit for tat arrangements that Mm. were happening on a world stage. So I voted for Brexit for my own reasons Mm. and a few people didn't like it. I lost one or two friends over it, over Facebook. um, And I had a blazing row with uh, a couple of individuals who will be remain nameless who actually um, made up stories about me, which I found to be quite hurtful and Mm. wrong and bordering on, you know, sort of slanderous, but you know, they are who they are. And I just cut myself off from them. Uh, and I believe other people cut themselves off from them as well. But, you know, those types of people, in my experience, in the industry that I've witnessed, mm. few and far between. And thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just think I found a few within a quite a short period of time. I, think. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I quickly got rid of them. And, you know, yeah. the blocking is the best thing you can do on Facebook. You don't yeah. have to witness them. Again. Sure. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, so, yeah. 
it, thinking back, that did happen. Yeah. Well, it, it, we do specialise in discussing what goes on at grassroots level. And and, and I like to talk about Absolutely. these little things in the background because it's... It, I, I live in the real world, real world, and, you know, it is what it is. And it, I think people appreciate the insight behind what goes on behind yeah. the music industry. And I think some reviews, you know, if I've been to see a gig, you know, yeah. I'll talk about sort of getting there on the tram and, mm. you know, how I got into to, to the gig and, you know, various observational traits of, of the people around me and stuff like that, Le- leaving into the cold night air and, and yeah. stuff like that. And, and I think that that part of it, you know, I did a backstage thing with Mido from uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Mm. We, were, we were invited. Um, it was a tit for tat thing. He needed sort of a um, something for his US visa. So we were helping him out. We put yeah. this big story together. So we, me and Dave spent the whole afternoon with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. And nice. it was a real insight into the backstage thing and being with the band all afternoon, how the, the, the equipment was all put together, the mm. sound checks and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's really fascinating as well, because it, it was kind of the life of a tour manager which is just another angle. I like that too. You know, the fact that we can have an insight into those different areas of the music business that people might not have even considered, you know? Well, my next question was going to be, what's your favourite parts of running Louder Than War? So I presume that's one of them. Um, I think the favourite parts are from, from what was quite ramshackle, and I don't want to sort of um, in any way put down the previous people, but what was a relatively ramshackle organization mm. where people were even afraid to post in the Facebook group. It, the Facebook group had been disabled because people yeah. were falling out yeah. all the time. Okay. And I become a great mediator <laughs> because some people, sometimes some people fall out with yeah. each other. I went to see the blinders at, um, at the deaf Institute, mm. um, wrote, wrote a gig review. Uh, Wayne Carey published a gig review. We fell out. We quickly didn't fall out. And I'm quite good in sort of separating arguments and trying yeah. to mediate. But that's not the most enjoyable part. For me, still the, the most enjoyable part is going to see a gig or yeah. hearing the next best thing because it excites me so much. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old I get. When I hear something new, it's like listening to Anarchy for the first time. It's like listening mm-hmm. to Frankie Goes to Hollywood for the first time. It's like listening to Blue Monday for the first time. Yard Act for the first time, cabbage for the first mm. time, go to see the blinders at the King's Arms in Salford for the first time and recording the whole gig in March, 2016 and just discovering something that, yeah. you know, really, really excites you. That is the most exciting thing. Yeah. The running of Louder Than War with any, as with any other voluntary organization. And I was involved with Radio Alti can be quite tricky because you've got lots of different personalities. Yeah. And however sanguine the boss is and however business oriented or minded I am, it's still dealing with different personalities. And, you know, some of those guys have mental health issues, you know, some are on the knees. They've got, I've got a pot to piss in and it's, it's, you know, they have their own troubles. They have their own problems. Mm. You know, they, they're working, they're not working, they're working part-time, they're not working part-time. And all of those individuals have their own social things going on. Mm. And for me, it's about just really understand. It's taught me an awful lot in understanding personalities to, to, to have to deal with those different people and whether that's separating a head to head and then seeing yeah. them make up afterwards. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can sympathize with that. We've got over 20 writers at RGM and it's me that manages them all and delegates stuff yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot and of challenges. Out there. 
Yeah. We've got, I don't know how many are in the Warriors group. We have a, a separate Facebook group. Mm. I think there's 70 or 80 people in there. Wow. Um, and yet they all have the different roles. But what I found the most rewarding way is that when we got the structure of me and John and editors and sub-editors yeah. and then writers, that we had this this way that people, and it wasn't that those people couldn't talk to us. Of course they can. Mm. They can all talk to each other. It's absolutely fine. It, but it just had this hierarchy of, of publishing. Whereas at one time when I took over like the editing, I was, I was publishing everything that went on the site mm. and that meant six to 10 articles a day. And it nearly killed me. Yeah. So that we got this structure in place saved my life. And now it's the same thing with the radio show. I set the radio station up. And now I've got help. And that's great too, because it's not all on my shoulders. I need and that. I think I need that. satisfaction comes from delegation. What's the worst bit about it? Uh, the worst bit about it is probably the expectation of somebody where they've expected you to do something you've, you've not followed through. Mm. It's difficult. You know, example, I went to Deadlines. see a document. Yeah. Well, yeah, document at the Deaf Institute, Got to the gig late because I dropped my brother off at a different gig across town. Couldn't fucking park. Ended mm. up going into the gig and hearing, Zing, thank you, good night. Oh, and God, I was right. supposed to be reviewing the bastard thing. Yeah. So then I ended up talking to uh, Max Grindle upstairs and I got the band together and we had a, an interview. We had a 20-minute interview yeah. and I picked up the phone and my stupid brother, he's not stupid, he's lovely. <laughs> uh, my lovely brother had called me five minutes into the interview and my equipment was my mobile phone. Mm. And of course, as soon as it rang, the recording oh, went off. Yeah. Christ. <laughs> so I think part of that, it's it's letting people down, I think is is, is the worst yeah. part of it. But for everything else, it's gravy. I love it. You know, there are no <laughs> negatives. There were negatives when we didn't have money, but yeah. now, not that we're rich, <laughs> but oh, no. now no. that we've got the money to sustain it, that is the most satisfying thing. Um, there are very few negatives apart from letting people down, you know. Well, what um, what part do we, the online music press, um, that are out there living and breathing the industry, what what kind of, where do we play within the industry uh, in the grand scheme of things, do you think now? In the grand scheme of things, we're giving essential promotion to independent and unsigned bands. And one of our strap lines, and we use it on the radio show quite a lot, is keeping the flame of independent music burning. And when I see you know, that somebody has mentioned one of our writers in a piece, in a promo piece or something like that. It, it, it's a testament to the fact that we are doing a valuable purpose, essentially for nothing. You know, we're doing it for nothing. And quite frankly, so are you, you know, whatever you charge, you know, it yeah. doesn't reflect the amount of um, exposure that you're giving to a band that is completely unheard of. So if I play, you know, a brand new band on the radio show, and I do frequently because I troll for new music all, all the time, uh, you know, I, you're not breaking them. You can't break them because they're not big enough. But what you're doing yeah. is that you're giving them a platform and you're setting a point in time and you're saying, you know, when I see Tom or Charlie from the blinders, they come up to me and say, Nigel, it's a long time since that pub, that pub gig in it, mm. you know, three, four, five, he gets further and further away. Yeah. But they really appreciate the fact that I went to the trouble to go to that gig, to write it up so positively yeah. that that went online and that's discoverable now. So you, we we provide an essential grassroots route to people's ears. And that, for me, is the most valuable thing that I can possibly do for a band or an artist or, a, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's what I Well think. said, mate. I, and I'm very passionate, passionate about it. Well you know? said. We, we wouldn't be here after all these years if, it, if, it, if we didn't, 
if we didn't mean it and we and we didn't care. Oh, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And yeah. there are some cynical people, and you see it on the radio, even on Six Music, where they're, they're presenters. Yes. They're not interested in music. They're just mm. there because they're getting paid to do a job. We're doing it because we love music. Yeah. And there's a big difference. Mm. There's a big difference. There's a journalist and there's a fanboy. And mm. you and I are fanboys yeah. who are writing because we're passionate about our subject, you know? We're not just being yeah. told to go and cover that event or that event. And it's the same as seeing a gig that you don't like. Mm. We're doing it because we love it and we've got the passion for it. And that comes across in a lot of the pieces. It certainly does in the in what I write. Yeah. And I see it in a lot of the writers, you know? Yeah, well, thanks for catching up today, but you've got this brand new, one thing I wanted to end the podcast with today is talk about this new app you've got. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, that's um, that's the radio show. And um, yeah. so what happened was that I was, um, there was a new radio show starting in, in a new radio service in Altrincham, because I live in Altrincham, mm. uh, called Radio Alty. And uh, my wife sings in a choir and the guy from the choir, I contacted him because I knew he was involved. Mm. And uh, I got the gig doing a show once a week on Radio Alton. It's the Louder Than War show. Mm. And I did 80 or 82 of those. Um, and I was doing a two-hour show, seven hours to put together, deliver, wow. upload, et cetera, et cetera. A live every week on a Wednesday night, nine o'clock. And that's what I've been, I was doing for like 18 months. And um, we had a bit of a contretemps. The, uh, the head of that station is uh, Stephen Carlton Woods. Uh, and he's also vice chairman of the local conservative party, which I didn't, I didn't really know. <laughs> and um, he went off to interview the um, conservative party conference, lots of MPs. Mm. Um, and um, I just, for, for balance, I said, uh, are we going to be covering uh, labor and liberals and greens and the other parties? And uh, I put it on a WhatsApp group, an internal WhatsApp group. And I got a phone call the following day from Ross uh, Heaviside uh, firing me. Wow. <laughs> nice. After doing what, 2000 hours for yeah. free for them simply for asking them that, you know, to be apolitical, yeah. to be non-political. And, um, and so I, I sort of, I got fired and I was extremely angry and um, I, my anger lasted for about a week. And then I set up louder than war radio and um, I set it up just before Christmas. And now we've got 12 DJs um, um, broadcasting seven days a week. <laughs> Again, it, it's one of those things where people don't see the hard work that goes on behind the scenes. Because I know you oh, <laughs> before before the app, you were you were doing it through uh, your own channel, weren't you? Recording it from your from your studio there, and you did fall out with it for a bit. Did you fall out with it for a bit as well? No, no, no. It's part of the same thing. Right, okay. So what we did is <clears throat> because I had the experience of Radio All Team because yeah. I was kind of I unofficially, and they don't know this, I had. Um, admin access to the whole radio.co broadcasting suite mm. through uh, a friend of mine there because I helped build their website. Of course mm. I did. Yeah. So, you know, I built my own pages, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And because of that, I needed access to the admin side, having access to the admin side taught me how to run, ostensibly run the station. Mm. So when it came to setting up our own station, I did it through radio.co and called it louder than war radio. And oh, then okay. very quickly, because they've got suites within uh, radio.co, um, I launched um, the, um, so this is the Apple app. So yeah. that came out sort of uh, soon after. And so it just plays out, it plays out live. And, and uh, there you go. So that's live. We're live yeah. now. We're live 24-7. Wow. Um, and um, quickly followed by the Android app, which I had to design and develop within their system. Mm. So putting up 
graphics, the logos, wow. everything, everything, everything. Credited the photographers. You know, that's this is credited to, to Dave Glee. Mm. You know, this photograph mm. on there. Uh, and then now we're on Alexa as well. And we joined Streamer. And I'm just joining Music Guard. And I'm trying to get on tune in so that we're kind of, you yeah. know, omnipotent. <laughs> So that's, everywhere so i'll that's put i'll put a link to the downloads uh, in the description of this podcast as well get you yeah, in. I've, I've, I've got it on my little app at Apple phone well thing. that was my reaction to being fired from radio Altier, and i yeah. thought well you know don't get down get even no go back go, better. <laughs> go <laughs> well, bigger yeah. so we went bigger yeah and we're, we're much we're independent yeah radio Altier, and we're independent and you know louder than war we are a media organization and part of that media now is radio lovely yeah. Maybe in the future it'll be TV. I don't know. Yeah, well, but, what, um, how do you keep a? How do you keep the station going for twenty four hours a day, seven days a week? There are tools within. You can set playlists to play. Right. So we don't have a DJ uh, online twenty four seven, but mm. we have certain playlists that I put together for all, all the new releases. So, for example, oh. Deja Vega mm. had a new album out uh, this week or last week. Yard Act, of course, um, and various other uh, bands as well. So. Mm we can pull out the ones that we want to play, many of which I play on my show. Uh, and then I put them together in a big playlist and upload them. And so at any one time, there are eight weeks of new releases being uh, sort of rotated. Mm. And then in the evening, so for example, tonight at seven o'clock, we've got Niels van der Linden doing his mood swings show, followed by me live at nine o'clock. Uh, then yeah. tomorrow we've got Mike Bennett, seven o'clock, you know. So, you know, there are shows going out every day of the week now. Uh, and even on Saturday, we've got Nick Brown, who's in the membranes. He's doing a new mm. show for us. So, do um, they do, all do it from your studio or did they do it from their own? Have they got their own set? They all do it from their home studios. Yeah. They're welcome to come in here, but they mm. all do it from their home studios. Or in, in Mike Bennett's case, he's a, he's a record producer. So, yeah. you know, he does it wherever he's he is. It. Audrey Golden does one, Cinema mm. Sounds, on a Saturday. She does it from Boston, just wow. sends it over. And so they all come in here, they get uploaded and then they get played out. Um, Neil Crud on a Monday night does a live show. It's great mm. to do a live show because yeah. it's more interactive. You've got people on Facebook and Twitter who can talk yeah. to you. Um, yeah. But I found it fantastic. So exciting. And the future now for Louder Than War Radio mm. is, is, is immense because it yeah. gets listeners. People listen. You know. <laughs> well, I wanted to congratulate you on, on it's, you know, it's, it's not been out long, has it? And, you know, it's picking up, you know, you've got plenty of listens. Um, we have, that's what it's we all have. About. We've just, we've just, We've just taken off and um, it's pinged up. So, you know, some days there's a, a thousand people have listened in the day. Mm. And for me, that's fabulous. You know, Louder Than yeah. War, can, can we can get 50,000 people going on the website, you know, on a, on a very, very good day. Mm. Unfortunately, it's when somebody's died probably. Yeah. But, you know, we get a lot of people on the website. So if we get yeah. like eight or 10,000 people on the website and a thousand have listened to the radio show, I'm happy, you know, yeah. really, yeah. really happy. And to see that grow, but not only that, to see the individuals that are doing the shows like Nathan Whittle, who's mm. one of our writers, you know, can I do a show? Yeah, of course you can. To see him develop and grow, Gordon Rutherford, Neil Johnson, you know, yeah. to see them grow as not only great writers, but as presenters as well. That's thrilling, you know, it's great to hear. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I've got the app on my phone. I'll be sharing it about. Nice <laughs> um, it's very much appreciated your time today, Nigel. Is there anything else that you pleasure. that you've got? Um, anything that you've got that you're beavering away at that you want to share? Or not really? I mean, obviously, uh, we're, we're developing the, the radio station to be bigger than yeah. it is. Um, we're looking for sort of younger writers. Um, mm. You know, to just just to keep our fingers on the pulse. Not yeah. that we haven't, but you know. 
Um, and we'll be doing more clothing and maybe some other forms of um, development. I don't see it extended too much beyond yeah. where it is at the moment, but it's just more of of, of what we're good at. And, uh, mm. uh, you know, if we can uh, sort of generate more income, we can give more income out. And, uh, yeah. That's the way we see it. You know, we're not greedy. John's yeah. not greedy. I'm not greedy. Um, well, your time's very much appreciated, Nigel. Uh, we'll put a pint in front of you at the next gig and try and keep you out uh, longer than what you're expecting at every opportunity. <laughs> I uh, won't be driving next time. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, keep your car at home and we'll have a good drink yes. again. Yeah. And, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Nigel, for joining us today for this week's episode of the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. So... We have interviewed a couple of guests. We've got them in the bag. I'm not sure who's going to be next week yet. I just need to uh, a little think about it. So I'll tease you. It's definitely going to be a good guest. Come and join us every Monday. Tell your friends on WhatsApp or online or share the link to the podcast. It's all easy. We try and make it as easy as possible for you guys. The links are all on our posts. Tell your friends if you've enjoyed the podcast. We really enjoy um, building this thing. And it is hard work. Very. It's a, it's a lot of time and effort goes into this. Uh, and we appreciate every one of you listening to it. So for now, we'll see you next week. Jump onto the link in the uh, in the description to download the Louder Than War app. The link's in the description too. Check out their site. Great music on there. Try out the 30-day free trial through Ditto to publish your music. Why not? It's free. 30 days of course and we will see you next week look on twitter at RGM pod and you'll see the next guest for next week all in good time get yourself prepared and we'll see you soon cheers guys we'll see you next week welcome to RGM are you in a band Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback, and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.